And we're back another strike show edition. What a week. My goodness. This has been Billy Horschel on a Wednesday there with my boy Froggy. And uh, well, this this next guest, he knows a thing or two about Billy Horschel and Sam Burns and Brian Harmon and a few other guys that are having a lot of success out there on the PGA Tour. It's a Thursday, so we get into coaching. We get into instruction. And this week, well, we're going to get into the minds, one of the top sports psychologists in the game, founder of the mindset, a guy I've known for a long time, Dr. Brett McCabe. Thank you for being here, sir. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me. It's uh, it's always nice as we're approaching the weekend, isn't it? Yeah. Well, what are you doing at home? Like, this is weird to see you at home. Usually, like, every time I'm talking to you, you're, like, walking up the fourth fairway or yeah, on the range you know, or whatever. It's an off week for me, and and we moved into a new house about seven, eight weeks ago, and so you see the boxes behind me. My office is still yet to kind of be finished up, um, but it's nice. It's nice to spend some time at home, and um, players are playing great, and, and and I have other responsibilities I have to take care of too. So, um, yeah, I just kind of get back in my office, and, and during COVID, I moved back into my office and closed my exterior office, mm-hmm. and I love it, so it's good to be back home. Well, so much I want to talk to you about, and you know, we've got samples. We got a little short size here. We always like to keep these around 30, 35 minutes, but I, I got to start with Sam Burns. All right. And I know you work with Sam Burns. Uh, my audience knows about Sam Burns. I've been touting this young man at LSU for a long time. I mean, I just, I thought he was a stud when he came out of college, you know, he's got the long game. He's got a great approach game. He can put the lights out. You know, he's got the PGA tour type of game. And I had his coach, Brad Pullen, on, his longtime coach back in February. And we talked about all those things. And sure enough, we were like, the win is coming. There, there, a win is coming. This guy is too talented. He's had the lead more than any other player after a round of golf on the PGA Tour. And he finally gets it done last week at Valspar. Take us inside some of the things that maybe that you've done and you've gotten to know Sam, the competitor that he is, and really the stud that he is. Because this guy's going to be around a while, isn't he? I, I think so. I, you know, he, he and Billy played together at the Zurich and I was happy to put them together. And, and the reason I did that is because I knew Billy is such a great mentor to players and Sam is such a great learner of the game. I mean, he's, he's a student of the game and he wants to learn. And, and for a young player, I mean, his, he was, he's been raised right. Um, he's unbelievably generous. <clears throat> he's unbelievably uh, gracious He's respectful in every way. And, you know, I think if you'd looked at his start of the season, um, we started at Napa. Um, he led there and, and he led at a couple others, you know, Houston and San Diego and Torrey. Um, and then <clears throat> obviously the one that most people remember tends to be the the uh, Riviera tournament, Genesis. You know, you look at those and you say, oh, those are failures. And, you know, he should have been able to close those. But what he did is he learned from them. And there were some facets in his game that he mentioned in his press conference about learning to stick with the process and not needing to be so perfect. Um, I think anytime you have a player who's young, who has tremendous talent and an unbelievable head on his shoulders, you you look at you know opportunities for them to win. And what you forget is that lear- winning is a learning experience. There are some people who win just by, hey, they were in the right place at the right time and they got it done that time, but maybe they didn't learn as much. And so you don't see success build. Um, Sam is one of those guys, particularly with the people he has around him, like Billy and other folks like that, that 
he's learning and he learned from each of those experiences to know what it takes to be there. And the goal is to be there with more frequency. And the goal is to be able to close at a higher rate. Now, look, one of the things that, that fans have to realize is that PGA tour players don't have it every week. Mm-hmm. And there are weeks that you you're going through something on a swing, you're feeling something that's off. That was a perfect example. After Genesis, he and Brad went back and did some work on some swing stuff that they noticed that under pressure, it it tended to have a bigger flaw. And what people have to realize, and I do this with all my players, is that pressure impacts us in four major areas. So when you get yourself, if you think about it like a mountain, you get into the peak of the mountain, the biggest pressure is at the peak of the mountain. There's you know more chaos, more struggle. So that pressure is going to expose more in your game. And what they figured out was there was something in his swing that they needed to correct. And so those four areas are physically. How do you physically move and swing? How do you think is the second one psychologically? How do you think, perceive, and act? How does it impact your attitude? What is your decision-making processes under pressure? And then how does it impact your grittiness? And so what we did is we looked at those and I sat with, you know, and I do this with all my players is we look at those and we say, pressure's a privilege. Don't ever waste a struggle. Let's figure it out, right? Mm -hmm. Let's figure out exactly what we're doing here and understand it. Well, they went to work and it, it, you know, it wasn't a good sawgrass. It wasn't a good player's championship because he was in between swings and the pressure of that tended to cause some issues, got through another tournament, made a few changes with his driver and boom, here we go. Played phenomenally at the Zurich, um, had mm-hmm. one bad swing on the 18 on Friday. But other than that, as Billy said, he was probably leading the individual side of the tournament by four or five. I mean, it was, he said it was just an absolute um, display of, of great play, but you have somebody like that who's going to keep learning. And what I love about him is he, he puts himself around players that he wants to, to, to be like. He puts himself around players that he can learn from. He is, he's just a tremendous kid to root for. Mm. And he's got good genealogy of being an LSU Tiger too. So that helps. <laughs> and had to get that in there, right? Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, good the, Tigers. Uh, the I work, I work for Alabama, but <laughs> I went to LSU, so I can play both sides. Okay. I can say roll tide with the best of them. I'm a roll tider now, but, <laughs> you know, former Tigers stick together too. That's uh, Those are two pretty good colleges to uh, to have in your back pocket there, both from a, a golf and a, a football standpoint. Absolutely. But, yeah, he is an easy guy to root for. I, I've never um, I've never met him, but I, you know, I, I've known Brad, and, you know, Brad's kind of under the radar, and I was like, hey, Brad, why don't you come on, and, you know, I'd love to – kind of tell the story here of you and Sam as you could see this ramp up with Sam and the success was coming. I mean, it was just, you, you could just sense it with him. Like it, the win is going to happen and it's going to happen uh, this year, if not, uh, you know, very quickly, which it has. And it's easy to say, doc, you know, it's hard to win on the PGA tour. You know that more than, than I do, but you just get the feeling with this kid, you're not out of line with saying like, he just keeps doing what he's doing. There's more to come. I mean, he's just got that kind of game, but you know, let me, let me speak to Brad a little bit. Um, I like to be in the shadows. Uh, I like, I don't like talking about my players. You know, I'll, I'll mention some things like Mm -hmm. this, but when they win and things, I'm more excited for them. And I, and, and I just, I like to sit in the shadows. That's probably the way I was raised. Um, One of the things I love working with Brad is Brad has an amazing calming presence. And he is a tremendous leader. He's a tremendous um, mentor to Sam. They've got a great relationship. They, but you can just see the the calming sense that comes with him when he's around when they're around each other. I love that. He's mm-hmm. he's he doesn't try to. He's not trying to leverage anything. He's not trying to use a player to advance. He is fully committed to what Sam needs and how to help him to to reach his goals. And um, 
it's an honor to work with somebody like Brad. I work with some amazing coaches, you know, Todd Anderson and yep. uh, Mark Blackburn, Scott Hamilton, and the list goes on. But the, and if I left anyone out, I'm not ignoring you, but it's just, I love being around coaches. I love watching coaches work because, you know, what we do, it's not about us. And, and I love for people to realize that is that, you know, there's a, there's a vulnerability that comes when your players are inside the roads. There's nothing you can do to coach them or help them. They're on their own. But to see that growth happen and see that them realize their potential and their ability and to see them solve that and to see the joy after winning. Um, it's amazing. I mean, I, I, I get so stressed when players are coming down the stretch. I literally had a migraine on Sunday night where I couldn't see. I like I get visual wow. migraines. I couldn't see. And my wife's like, you just wrap yourself so much into it. I'm like, because I know what it means to them. And mm-hmm. I know it, it's so important to them. And um, it just makes me, it's just the greatest respect and responsibility you have to be a part of a person's dream. That's well said. You know, I can only imagine, you know, you get these, then you get multiple coming down the stretch and you're like, man, I work with both these guys. Now you're like, man, I can't, I can't, I can't see and I can't breathe. Yeah. Got this, got this new earpiece that is driving me nuts. I get it. Hold on a second here. Stand by. There we go. Let's move on to Billy Horschel. Right. Cause yeah. you just mentioned Billy, he lives not too far from me here in, um, in Ponte Vedra and was on the podcast on Wednesday um, with Froggy. Billy's playing some very good golf right now. Amazing of course, he wins play. the Dell match play. I didn't realize that you are the one that um, paired him up with, with Sam. Well, or what, ha- what, what happened was we were – Travis Perkins was caddying for yeah. Billy at the Masters. And Travis is the one that actually did it. Um, okay. What I said was, hey, what do you think? And he was like, 100%. So Travis gets all the credit because he's the one that brokered it, made it happen. I just thought it would be a cool idea, but Travis is the one that made it happen. So he yeah. gets all the credit. Well, a little SEC matchup there never 100%. never hurts. They had a lot to well, talk and, about. And, and what you got to remember with Billy being in the Zurich is he's he's essentially an adopted son of Louisiana. He's won that event twice. Yeah. He loves South Louisiana. Um, people love him there. He's got a, a great network of friends down there. And we told him, we said, look, you know, we'll adopt you as a LSU Tiger for this week. Um, and, and, and if it wasn't for the Florida Gator football team, the guy throwing the shoe um, that sparked LSU football a little bit near the end of the season, they probably would have tanked as well. So <laughs> talk to us about working with Billy. Cause you know, Billy um, you know, he's, a, he's a fiery competitor, right? And he puts his emotions on his sleep at times. I mean, he's going to let you know what he's thinking. He's going to let you know his thoughts on things that are happening in the game. And, and he can run a little hot from time to time, you know, and, and not, not every golfer. And in, in fact, I would say the majority of them are not showing really that much emotion on the golf course. And then you get someone like Billy who, and others who, you know, they, when they're kind of heated, they can, they're going to show you and they're going to tell you, which I kind of like, I mean, I like the emotion. Yeah. I like seeing it. You may not agree with it always, but we don't get it a lot sometimes with these players. Take us inside working with um, with Billy and maybe some of the improvement that you've seen from him here um, that's led to some great golf. Well, Billy is, I mean, just like Sam, but he's he's a true professional. He's unbelievably generous, loves his team, a truly trusted team. He wants to win for his team. Mm. It's um, it's an honor to work in his team and and to be a be with around him. Billy is um, Billy's a great man. Um, and I, and I don't hold that back by saying that I've watched what he's done. I've watched how he's navigated some things. I've watched how, how much he cares for people um, that, that 
people don't even know. And, and, you know, I know that his emotion on the golf course, you know, people are, oh, what look, Billy is who he is. Mm-hmm. He's a perfectionist. He is a steward of the game and I don't want him bottling up emotions. And just like any of my players, I mean, it, it doesn't matter what sport is. There's a line that you don't cross and he doesn't cross it. And he knows that. And he's not even close to the line, but yeah. you know, there's, I think people, some of the worst advice that's ever been given in the game of golf is you got to be calm and robotic. Right. Um, th- th- that's been around for a long time. It's the Ben Hogan approach that teachers have latched onto forever, which is you just got to show no emotion. I, I, he- I hear that from players or parents a lot is like, I, I want to look, be able to tell if a player is, not be able to tell the players five over or five under. And I'm like, well, why? I mean, if, if I'm taking my time to suppress my emotions, then I'm not taking the time to get it done. I mean, I don't ever want to disrespect the game or anybody like that. Right. Um, but if I can get rid of the emotion and then I can refocus on the next shot, I think I, I'm ahead of you. And, you know, we forget that we're in their work environment. No, nobody's in our work environment when, something goes wrong and we get a little frustrated or we get a little fiery about something in our office or in our sales calls or when we're playing. Right. I had a, I had a situation that happened a couple of years ago and a member guest and I was playing at our course at Greystone up in Birmingham and we're just hosting the region's tradition um, senior event right now, the champions mm-hmm. tour event. And I, we were playing our practice round. Our practice round is a big money game. And I'd mm-hmm. won it the year before. So, of course, I fell into every trap of every mental coach possible. My expectations were up. I've been playing great. I was going to win it again. And it's good money. I mean, it's, it's worth it to winning. Yeah. And uh, I went into it and I had like four or five plug lies in the bunker during the round. And it was it was a comically bad day of you got to be kidding me. Like, <laughs> like, I'm a good bunker player, but I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like, this is this is a joke, right? So on the 18th hole, it's a par five. I go four for two. I plug it with a four iron. I mean, that shouldn't happen, right? And in the bunkers, the bailout zone, and I bailed out from the water. So after I hit the shot, I took my sandwich and I was ticked off. And I just kind of, I returned to the ground with a little bit more speed than normal. How about that? Understandable. <laughs> okay. Um, it needed to be punished. And, and so I go up and I make my par and move on. And we go through the tournament on Saturday afternoon. We're out of the playoff and we're not in it. And I'm sitting there having a, a beverage, an adult beverage with my father-in-law, who's my partner, and got my sandals on. And I'm watching it. Some guy, and this was before I had kind of been, people knew what I did and, and had the, the fortunate success of the players on tour to be a part of. And a uh, guy pulls up next to me and goes, hey, you're that dude that does that mental stuff, right? I said, yeah. But it's like, I, I should have said, no, I sell life insurance, like <laughs> term life insurance. Can I get your number? But we're talking about it. And uh, he goes, man, I heard that you through your club on third on Wednesday. Like, shouldn't you be better than that? And I was like, you, you, you're joking, right? Like you're, you're absolutely joking. Like if you're going to compete and put your heart and soul out there and you're going to make a double Eagle or as Max Homa calls it a super, super birdie. If you're going to do that and be excited, then you got to be willing to accept the other side. And sometimes our emotions get the better of us, Mm -hmm. but we got to always pivot back. And Billy's learned that. Billy's also learned to not be a, he doesn't have to be perfect to win. He showed that at the match play. Um, he, he's just got to take the game he's got and beat people with it. So man, what a, what an honor to be a part of his team. I mean, it, yeah. it's, that's the thing, Travis. And I know I'm trying, I'm saying this, but it, it truly is. There's, there's weeks like this where I can look back and reflect and I see the people's lives I get to be a part of. And I, I don't, I don't take that lightly. 
Yeah. And whether they're a kid that I work with or a person who's in, it doesn't matter what sport. I mean, I had, last night I had a girl that was stuck with tumbling and, you know, I, I chose to do this. I'm a clinical psychologist, but I chose to do this because I wanted to, to help people realize what they can do to succeed and to be mm-hmm. a part of my players' lives and their families' lives and to see them celebrate in the tears. God, it's the greatest, yeah. man. It's the absolute greatest. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, with you go back to Sam and that just the emotion and the family, you know, out there. And but it just just to get a little glimpse of that from the outside looking in is it, you you get goosebumps. I can only imagine when you've had the blood, sweat and tears for months and years, you know, and then it comes together. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, Billy, his team, he's been with Todd Anderson for a long time. Oh, yeah. And then Sam Burns, he's been with Brad Poland a long time. Um, it seems like. I don't know. I, I think we went through an era there where there was a lot of jumping around and, I, and there's still some of that, but I, I feel like we're getting more stories now of, you know, Spieth hanging with McCormick. Um, you know, there, there's, there's some really good stories that way, you know, of, of guys hanging together because it's really easy, really easy as you start, as you get into that bad stretch of golf and it's coming, right. We know that you're going to have, you're going to have some bad moments, playing this game. I don't care what your name is or what tour you're playing on, what yep. your handicap, there's going to be those moments really easy to jump around. And these are two guys that haven't. Well, there, there's, there's, a, I mean, Brian Harmon was with Jack Lumpkin forever still is, and he's got mm-hmm. Justin Parsons to help him out now, but Jack is still a part of his team. And, you know, there's a coaching has gone through an evolution in the golf world. And I watch it from other sports too. You know, baseball has now recently taken on a lot of the um, track man or up Sotos and stuff like yeah. that, that, mm-hmm. you know, force plates that we use in golf. But what you saw was you saw a, a transformation of coaching where there was more information that the older school coaches used off video and they had to coach a little bit more. And now we, we teach, we teach how to do this, but what's happened is you've also seen a explosion of coaches that will fix a problem versus or teachers that will fix a problem versus teaching and coaching the player, how to work through the problem. So it's one of the things that any coaches that are listening to this, I highly encourage you to just because we measure it doesn't mean we should coach it. And so sometimes it's about timing. Sometimes it's about building it up. Sometimes it's about having a player understand in their terms, in their words, in their own experiences, their vernacular of what you're trying to get them to say, just because we can change it and change the numbers. Like one of the things I think is the biggest issue I see with coaches with young players is when the players are on the range and they're ripping it, their numbers are incredible but they don't have a game that transfers to the golf course unless they're having their perfect day. And and the reason for that is we're teaching them how to be optimum. We're not teaching them how to be their average and their average is not optimum. And, you know, it's, it's about, Hey, look, there's a day that you may not have it. Can you, you know, can you tee it down and hit a skinny cut out there just to get the ball in play? Mm-hmm. Can you, you know, if, if you're, if you're struggling with swing, what's the one thing that, you know, and, and I literally, I mean, I, I remember a player I had who, who was um, on probably one of the last holes of the qualifying for, you know, moving to the next stage for corn Ferry, and went into the back nine and just lost it. And mm. he lost his swing and it was the pressure thing, right? More pressure exposes the gaps. It's, it's, it show, you know, you put more water into a, a building, it's going to expose the cracks. And I said, well, why does that swing happen? Yeah, I don't know. I just call my coach. He tells me to do something and it's over. And, and so I was like, oh, we have something really missing here. He doesn't understand why something is off. And when something is off, he has got to be able to correct it on the course. On the course is not the time to ask why. 
It's on the courses. This is what I need to do. My coach used to say from baseball, I don't have a time to get somebody loose before you walk the bases full to get somebody in because you lost your release point and didn't know how to get it back. Golfers have to know how to say, look, this is where I'm at today. I got to make a little change. I got to do something. I got to choke down on it or whatever works for them. Mm -hmm. Coaches need to really work with them on that versus, man, flushing it. No, that's great. You're flushing it in a controlled environment with a security blanket next to you. Make it ugly. Show me what you're going to do. Make it better. And I think that's why great coaches have been with players for a long time is because they they coached players. They've they've said, hey, look, when the ball's doing this, that's what's going on, and and we're going to work on that. But let's embrace that today because they've seen the ups and downs, you know, the peaks and the valleys. As Brian Harmon told me one time, the goal of a professional golfer is to celebrate the peaks, and when the valleys hit, don't make them so deep. Mm. Yeah, that's great advice. I mean, and you know, it's it's makes a lot of sense. There's a lot to unpack there. I I, I basically couldn't write the stuff down fast enough, <laughs> so I'll. I'll um, I'll go back and uh, and watch this. My, I guess I should have my own <laughs> podcast, right? Are there um are there any concerns from your standpoint that the teams are getting too big? No, you know, like you know, like there's now there's you know there's there's multiple coaches, swing coaches, yes. right? And there's the short game, and there's putting, and the no, I think that's the wave of the future. It's the wave of the future. The teams yeah, are going to get bigger. It's going to be like Formula One. Okay. I think with the money getting bigger and the pots getting bigger, and we know that it's coming. Um, you're going to see. I mean, think about why wouldn't you have a driver coach and a iron coach? Uh, they're kind of, I mean, I know you're going to say they're the same swings, but no, they're not. They're really not, no. you know, and, and 20 years ago, we didn't have putting coaches, right? And right. now all of a sudden you go on a PGA tour event and there's 15 on the putting green. Right. I don't blame co- players and coaches will often say, look, you take care of that. Let me own my domain a little bit. Um, as long as there's a head coach. Now the player's the ultimate guru, the player's the boss. The player's the tip of the mountain. They are the boss. They're the owner. They're the owner. Okay. But they have to make sure that their coaches work together and understand it. I think in the next five years, you're going to see teams with two or three swing coaches. You may see a player with a swing coach that stays home that is more technically focused and then one that's more of a coach on the road. Um, You're going to see player, you know, coaches that are maybe better for West Coast versus East Coast. Um, I think you're going to see some different variations of that and, and it's, it's putting specialties together. And I don't think that's wrong. I think, I think you're going to see more and more of that evolution of what the game is because of technology knowledge. Um, I know you, you look at like my buddy, Mark Blackburn, his, his player, Mike Weir wins this week. I look at his team. He's got a strength guy. He's got a practice guy. He's got a, um, you know, he's got, you know, fitness guys. He's got, it's, it's, yeah. You know, there's a lot. Yep. The big business and it's yep. the owner, right? Like he, he's, he's responsible for putting it together and making them work together. Let, let me segue just to life on tour here for a moment. COVID um, certainly put some restrictions on what you can and can't do when you're out there. And PJ tour has done a great job. The players, co- I mean, everybody involved. It's like, I feel like we need to say thank you to everybody just because they went out there and, got it done, you know, and we had something to watch through this time and they were able to play and, and do those things. It was huge. Um, you know, Matthew Wolf, he's come out and, you know, he's, he struggled with it. Right. And, you know, young kid out of college, basically you have to, you go play, you know, you've got all this testing and then you got to go back to your hotel room. I mean, there's really no life, you know, when mm-hmm. you look at these guys, how real is it out there? You know, with, your conversations with some players and, you know, guys struggling with, 
man, there's a lot of downtime and alone time, which there normally is anyway, but it just seems like this is even more highly magnified given the restrictions of COVID and guys having to deal with that. Well, you're right. The PGA Tour has been remarkable. As fans, we should be very thankful. They gave us back something um, in a very good way, and we're seeing more and more fans showing back up, and it's awesome. to It's it's great to hear the roars again and mm-hmm. to see the galleries again. I mean, we our country our country thrives when we collectively pull together around sporting events, and, and yeah. we can argue about you know Alabama or Auburn or <laughs> Ohio State and Michigan, and 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 I think that's a lot better. But there is a concern. I have a bigger concern across the country that the global mental health pandemic is coming. As a clinician, I'm very concerned that our lack of mental health resources in this country are going to be exposed in a horrendous way because of the isolation that was mandated. And and rightfully so. I mean, I'm not arguing that. I think there was, you know, I think we need to get back to work. I think we need to get back open. But for players that are on the road, it's a lonely experience, mm-hmm. even when it wasn't shut down. And I think fans, we listen, we think that and we say, oh, it's a great place. There are some great benefits to it. But just like if you stayed at a Ritz-Carlton for two weeks, you would see the, you know, the cracks in the tile, right? There's some great, <laughs> there's some great things. And, but what happens is over time, it's exhausting. And, and you have to remember when a player is playing, they may go on a four-week run. There's, you know, they finish on a Sunday if they make the cut. They go to the new place on Monday. They register. They go through their testing again. They may go out and putter chip. And then they start again on Tuesday. They pro-am on Thursday. They go into the grinder on Thursday. And I know somebody's out there saying, oh, whatever. I, I work a harder job. Yes, you probably do. But every job has challenges. And so the isolation of sitting in hotel rooms by yourself, mm-hmm. watching Netflix, there's only so many streaming shows you can watch. And unfortunately, what happens is, it's right for, and I'm not saying this is Matthew Wolf or any players I work with, but you, you've also got issues there, right? Of, you know, the bars downstairs, the mini bars open that, you know, you don't exercise and you get into a rut and you lose that social connection. And so for players, it's a risk just like any of us. And so I get very lonely when I travel, if I'm gone for five or six days on the road and you know, you don't have the going out for dinners and yeah, there's a, there early, Early on, there was a sense and a concern of, hey, what are we doing out here? And and I know for my players I work with on the LPGA Tour, definitely a greater challenge there because the LPGA Tour doesn't have the resources mm. the way that the PGA Tour does. So they're even stricter mm. on the bubble and being isolated and not going out for dinner and staying. And there was reports on, you know, people being reported for being out for dinner and it's just it was a it was one of those sacrifices that had to be made and and you know we, we I think you just have to look at it and say yeah it's tough I mean it, yeah. it was it was not easy and then you add in just the tour life of a 22 year old I mean there's a lot of yeah. demands and responsibilities that come with that as well yeah it's um well like you said hopefully you know things are opening back up it's good to see the fans back Bubba Bowie has never been more welcomed you know and listening to it on TV right. after after a big drop. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it was always something that I was thinking about when it was happening and, you know, you know, I've, I've been out there a little bit, but it's lonely as it is, you know, and now all of a sudden with the restrictions, boy, it's got to be some really tough challenges going on. I thought about you, I thought about others and guys reaching out and just, Hey doc, just talk to me for a while on the phone, you know, I need something to do. You know, it's been great because one of the things that we've used the time for is to do some more reading and soul searching and self reflection, Mm -hmm. but 
the the players the players want fans back as much as anybody else. I mean, mm-hmm. they they get it the one or two yahoos, um, but they want that energy out there. And it was funny to see them kind of interact with some of the events early when there were fans. They were like, "Oh, I'm nervous. I haven't been nervous like this hitting a <laughs> shot in front of somebody for a long time." <laughs> it's really cool. I mean, it's yeah. it's you know they they want it too. I mean, they they thrive off of that big moment, that big energy. They're showmen. And yeah, at the end of the day and their performers and their competitors and, you know, and, and so I think it's, it's amazing to watch what's this year has been, I think back to that colonial that started and mm-hmm. people standing 12 feet apart to interview. And there was all these concerns, right. And, and now we're, we're getting more comfortable with kind of the new world order. Alabama just let go of the mask mandate, of any kind. And and it, I went to a dinner last night and sitting there and the bartender didn't have a mask on and it was just weird. I mean, it is yeah. just literally weird. Yeah. Uh, it's welcome return, but it's weird. It's weird. Yeah. Let's finish up here with, um, you mentioned Brian Harmon. He's another sec player, uh, George bulldog. He's, he's playing some great golf third at the players, 12th at the masters, uh, 13th at RBC. I go back to conversation we had a few years ago at Sawgrass. You told me, you've worked with Brian for a while now and you said to me something and it just kind of hit with me. You said, you know, I'm just trying to get, you know, Brian understand that his, his good enough is indeed good enough. Like, you know, like he is good enough. Now you just got to believe, just go out and be you and just do you don't feel like I'm kind of paraphrasing. I'm giving I'm adding some things here that that I've kind of elaborated off of that is that just go out and play your game and do you because it's, good enough and believe in that how how do you feel like how do you feel like he's coming along with that well brian is uh, you know a tremendous competitor right and has to be because mm-hmm. you know the you know he he it, it just feeds his his execution style he just he wants to get in the mix he wants to be that guy that is fiery and a part of it like he just he needs it I mean, it yeah. has to be a part of his soul. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not because he's, you know, a smaller guy or anything like that. I mean, look, guys, if you watch him on tour, he hits it. Uh, he's not on the shorter side. No. Um, he's a, f- f- a tremendous ball striker, but his short game is just sickening. I mean, it's just – and when the putter gets hot and, – yeah. and that was a little bit of – when he struggles, he tends to – that's sometimes where that kind of goes. It just gets cold for a little bit. Yeah. But it's just world-class. And – you know, he, he has to realize that he doesn't have to hit it to a foot every time. Like you, you get the, you get the equalizer in his hands. It's, it's over. <laughs> and we saw that at Augusta and that's why at Augusta, he, it's a good course for him. One is he lefty, but two, his short game is just insane. Um, you know, nothing is, nothing is out of the opportunity to get it up and down or to, to roll it in the hole, but he's got the ultimate equalizer. And, and really his mindset is great. I mean, there was a time on the PGA tour where he had, more like 10 birdie rounds or eight birdie rounds. I can't remember what the stat was. There was only one guy that had more of him. You know, he had so many top tens in a row. Yeah. You know, people need to, you know, he was top 20, 25 in the world and he'll get back there. Um, and, you know, he's climbing back up again and, and he's just, he's a relentless competitor. Yeah. You can see it. Oh, and, it's unbelievable. Yeah. You can see it. He's a, he's a bulldog and of course he'll compete he in anything he does. I mean, anything, anything. Like Even, if it's hunting with Pat and Kazire, they're competing. 
I mean, it's it's watch their social media things. I mean, it's hilarious to watch. You know, he um even the match play, he played great. He he made I think he made eight birdies the first day and lost to Cantlay because he made seven in an eagle. I mean, it was yeah. like, and then the next day he made seven birdies. Um, yeah, in a row against Bubba. Yeah. Um, you know, and so that's the thing is he he's got major offense and you know he almost won he came in second almost won the longest u.s open in history mm. length's not the issue mm-hmm. right so you know people want to always look at length. the you know when we look at people prolific drivers of the ball well, look when cameron champ is driving the ball straight and putting well he's tough to beat yeah when rory okay but when sam burns is plus nine strokes game putting that's tough to beat too yeah yeah so it's you, you, we all, I always tell my players, Chick-fil-A doesn't sell cheeseburgers. They know what they do. They do it better than everybody else. Serve your chicken. Just know who you are. Know what your psychological fingerprint is. Don't have to be everything to everybody. Just know who you are. Love it. Can't say any better than that, doc. I could ask you a dozen more questions, but I'll wait till next time. Next time. Because um, I know you got some unpacking to do. This is a week where you need to enjoy your house I can't have you stressing out and losing your vision, though. That freaks no. me out. No, I know. <laughs> well, I got to find a place. I so I got my new Alabama football championship ring Uh-oh. about oh, last week. So oh, that's cool. it goes with my other ones that are up there. But I figured I'd show that off. I mean, even okay. though I was saying go Tigers, it's always real tied. Well, he's one of the top sports psychologists, founder of the Mindside. You can follow him on Twitter, Instagram at Dr. Brett McCabe. Doc, I appreciate your time, man. Thank you. And hope everyone has great golf in their future and enjoys the game. It's it's if it wasn't for golf, I think a lot of us would have struggled even more with COVID. Yeah. Well said. We'll do it again soon. Thank you, sir. Yeah, but the hits literally keep on coming from one boxing event to the next. They grow in excitement and in anticipation. And this weekend is no different with two of the sports most respected fighters stepping into the ring Saturday night. There is no better place to get in in all of the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering all new users a shot at turning $1 into $55. To celebrate this weekend's huge event, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering new users the opportunity to get 55-1 to 1 odds on either main event fighter to win this weekend's fight. That's Bet $1, and if the fighter of your choice wins, you cash $55 plus. With basketball and hockey playoffs right around the corner, DraftKings Sportsbook has even more ways for you to make it rain. DraftKings Sportsbook is safe, secure, and reliable, meaning you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code TRAVIS when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can bet $1 to win $55 on this weekend's main event. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out for new users by offering them the chance to win $55 when placing a bet of $1 on this weekend's big fight only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 